Welcome back to the third episode of Design Chat with Josh. My name is Joshua Reach, and I am your humble host of this podcast. This is a podcast about anything and everything design-related, but mostly visual and product design. But today we're actually going to talk about something that really could involve any profession, and that is public speaking. I'm going to share some insights on my massive fear of public speaking and then also some tips and tricks on how you can overcome that fear. Let's just put this out there. Uh, I'm going to kind of just make something very clear that I wish more people made clear to me when I was kind of getting into graphic design years and years ago. The idea that you're just going to sit behind a screen and you're not going to have to present your work as a designer, uh, that is completely false. Everybody who is a designer, whether you're a graphic designer, whether you're a web designer, a UX designer, it doesn't matter. You are going to be presenting your work to at least internal stakeholders. And I know this is a little more a little more true for agencies. I've noticed that some agency friends, they have a lot more one-on-one time and FaceTime with clients versus just people internally. And even being an in-house designer and working with a lot of agencies on projects, there's a lot of times that you have one of their designers like in a meeting with you and they're going over the work themselves. It's not some director or account executive that's handling it. So every designer is going to at least one, at least at one point, I I would say probably a handful of times in your career, you're going to have to present in front of people and presentation and public speaking kind of, I mean, they all kind of go hand in hand and I could go on a whole tangent of putting together a really good presentation which maybe I'll do for another episode. But when it comes to speaking, you're going to have to overcome that fear. And I've had many, many times where I've had to present my work uh, or present a team's work in front of internal stakeholders uh, and also in front of other people throughout the organization. I've also had to present work to uh, an agency that we've been working with and kind of go over our process and stuff that we've, we've had for a project or something and, and hand off that work or hand off that idea to an agency to help execute. But in order to do that, I had to have a meeting with them and go over the, the, the design. So you're going to have a lot of times where, where you're going to do public speaking and you have to learn to speak to your work. and. Part of that is you know, overcoming that, that fear of presenting your work is truly believing in your work. And that's one thing that I've found is super helpful to me is when I'm presenting my work and I'm speaking in front of a group of people, if I don't believe in the design that I'm presenting, whether it's something that I created or the team created, if I don't believe in it or I don't understand it completely, I can't sell it. I can't sell the idea. 
And that's really, honestly, that's kind of what we are doing as designers. We're selling the idea. We're also selling what we do as designers over and over and over again to, especially if you're in-house, to internal stakeholders. And if you're in an agency, you're definitely selling what you do over and over and over to clients, kind of justifying that you know, you're not just sitting behind the screen clicking pixels all day. You are going through this process. You're going through you know, this whole flow and, and there's a reason behind everything that you've done, or at least there should be a reason behind everything you've done when it comes to a design. But public speaking and speaking in front of others is how you do that. You can't really send out an email, a lengthy email describing your design process. That's not gonna work. That, that never works. That ends in catastrophe. It really does because a few things I've noticed is when you're presenting your work and say you send it over email or it's just, yeah, send it to so-and-so and, -so and we'll, we'll email it over and get it to the right people to review and you don't have that FaceTime and you don't have that interaction and you're not presenting, you often don't get to explain the reasoning behind things and sell your idea, which then results in people pulling things apart and thinking, well, they have to provide feedback. They can't just you know, say, okay, it looks great. They got it, they got to pick at something and they got to, you know, kind of dissect it in a way, which is good because to be honest, as designers, to think that we know everything in terms of how something should be executed, it, 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 that's just completely false. Uh, you know, we need, we need our, our internal clients and our external clients because they're kind of the subject matter experts on a lot of things when we're designing something for, say, fitness for example. But you're going to have this, you're going to have times where you're going to have to present your work. It's just, it's inevitable. And you're going to have to overcome that. I think the biggest presentation that I ever had to do was actually multiple presentations. We were doing a refresh of a brand. It was internally done. And I fortunately had the support of my creative director at the time and he he and i worked mostly on it in the beginning and then we fortunately ended up hiring other designers who came on board and helped out about halfway through and then towards the tail end later on another designer came on but to present the work it was me and my creative director because we were there from beginning to end kind of hashing out ideas i think we had at least a dozen different ideas for how we could evolve this brand and kind of give it new life without redesigning the actual identity. And keep in mind too, we're focusing on visuals and the voice. There's far more to a brand than a logo and colors, uh, but we were focusing on a, a facelift basically of this brand. And creating that rebrand, that refresh of, of a brand, we had to not only get the buy-in of our own executives, but we had to get buy-in from the executives across the organization so that they understood what we were doing and supported it. And let me tell you, when we sat down with them, it was the first time since I had worked there, and I've been working at that company for years, it was the first time I actually got to present my work to these executives. And then, and I should say not my work, I got to present our work. It was the first time a designer got to, got to present our work to executives, at least that since I had been there. And it was fantastic because they were so excited about it. They were excited just to be a part of this process, just to be one of the, 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 the select groups of people who got to give input, 
but more importantly, get the detailed understanding of how we did what we did. And it was a huge presentation. It did involve a projector. We actually sat down the whole time. Everybody was seated. Nobody stood in front of a projector or anything. We all were seated and I was navigating and driving the laptop. My creative director kicked things off and then I kind of took over from there. But it was nerve wracking, I'll be honest. It was completely nerve wracking. And these are executives that I had worked with and I'd known for a couple of years already. I mean, I was pretty comfortable with, with most of them anyway. But I was still so terrified because, not because of how high up they were in the company, but just because I was scared to speak in front of people. And the one thing that helped me though was I knew that the work that the team did, that we all did, was just absolutely phenomenal. And I knew that we had hashed out and gone through so many different ideas and we had so many different creative minds on this that even if the, the, the executives picked and, and poked and prodded at this, this refresh of the brand, we would be able to kind of counter that with either reasoning and, and maybe kind of shut down some of the, the nitpickiness. <laughs> it kind of sounds harsh, but sometimes you have to do it. Uh, or we would be able to really think, wow, okay, yeah, that's a new perspective. Let's take that and consider it and, and uh, you know, come back and we'll, we'll update things based on that feedback or something, you know. But all in all, it ended up going actually really, really well. And like I said, they were just super delighted to, to be there. And then after that, the, the roadshow began of showing this to all of the managers at all the different locations. And we had kind of an east and west manager meeting and we jumped in on that meeting. It was a meeting that they normally have anyway. I think it was like a quarterly meeting maybe. We met with the managers and we presented the ideas that we had. The first one uh, was actually in person and it was at a physical location uh, of, of the company. And we were in front of probably about 20 to 30 people. And it was nerve wracking. <laughs> Fortunately, again, I had my creative director there and this is now, I think, the second or third time I had been presenting this, this brand refresh. And it was getting easier, but it was still terrifying. And I remember shaking. I remember being super nervous. Some of these managers, I still, you know, I knew from years past, you know, we, they knew me, I knew them. So it wasn't like I was speaking in front of a bunch of strangers. But it was the first time that, again, since I had been there, that anybody had actually presented a design concept and and shared this insight with the managers <laughs> nobody goes to that 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 customer facing team and shares it with them and the idea was we get their buy-in and then when all the new materials roll out at all the different locations they're all hyped up about it they hype up their teams about it and they're super excited and generally that's kind of how it went. There were still some skeptics and some people who were not really the biggest fan of the design and that's okay, that's fine. And some of them had actually really good feedback too when things actually went out into the different locations. But the idea of showing it and, and presenting it was, was amazing, but that nerve wracking experience beforehand, I will never forget sitting in my car just terrified. I was popping Imodium like Skittles. 
I mean, I was so nervous to be standing in front of a crowd. I mean, this wasn't just a few executives that I worked with on the regular. This was a crowd of people who were on the front lines of the company. And every single time this happens, every single time that I'm in front of a crowd, and you may notice this as well, and I, I feel like this happens with more people than, than, than we think. You stand in front of a crowd, you get ready to present. The day or night or hours leading up to the presentation, you are petrified to stand in front of those people. You get up there, you do your intro, you begin talking, and that worry just almost immediately goes away. And that's honestly what happens every time I'm up there. And I know I've heard other people say this too, where even the, the most amazing speakers, and we're talking like even executives uh, I've heard who have said, you know, they, they get so nervous the day before, the night before, they go up on stage, and then as soon as they get up on stage, they just, they feel so much better. And to hear them say that they get nervous, even though they're like pros at presenting and public speaking, is kind of like amazing to hear. But that just washes away. And then usually it comes back when you stumble or you kind of go off script or you may notice that people are losing it, you know, they're uh, losing interest in what you're talking about. Uh, and when that usually happens, I throw in humor. I love throwing in humor when I, I speak to kind of lighten up the, the room. And, but, but it goes away, that, it kind of goes away. And then the final, back to that, that brand refresh roadshow, the final one was actually a, uh, it was a video voice call. Uh, like a, a web, what it, oh my God, I'm forgetting the word right now. Web conference call. That's what it was. It was a conference call. It was like a, a, a join me or something. Uh, WebEx. There we go. And that one I actually had to kick off on my own because my, <laughs> my creative director got stuck in traffic and it was like first thing in the morning, this WebEx. But I had already presented it a couple times and it obviously is a little bit easier to speak when you're not seeing a massive crowd and you're just talking to a screen, but you know that secretly about a hundred people are listening to you right now and watching what you're doing. But it, it's, it, it was nerve wracking, but not that nerve wracking. And you kind of over time get a little more comfortable with it. But the, the trouble is you don't get comfortable with it as a designer I think because you're not doing it all the time. I mean, really as designers, we're not always presenting. We're not always in front of people showing our work. Now as a, as a product designer, you're definitely in front of people more often. You're whiteboarding in front of people. It's usually the same people, it's kind of your team. So you're a little more comfortable with them. But when it comes to sharing ideas, sharing campaigns, you know, uh, sharing a, a design for review or just an FYI, like, hey, let's get hyped up about this you don't have that many opportunities. And so you kind of lose that confidence and you have to keep it going. So how do you keep it going? And how do you combat that nervousness of public speaking? First and foremost, the easiest way to get comfortable doing public speaking is actually joining something that has been around for decades. It's an organization and I'm a part of it now it's called Toastmasters, which kind of is a funny name, but it's called Toastmasters. And in years past, I had companies that had a Toastmaster 
charter. Okay, there's you know millions of people that around the world that are a part of this, and then there's different charters. Usually, if you're in a big company or a medium-sized company, even they'll have their own Toastmasters club, basically. That's part of the official Toastmasters organization. And Toastmasters is purely a public speaking and leadership type environment and, and club. And it's to help you practice public speaking and get better at it in a safe environment. And in years past, I used to laugh at it. I used to be like, nah, that, that's just funny, that Toastmasters. What, so you can make a toast at a wedding? Like what, you know, but it's not, it's so much more than that. And at the company I'm with now, I actually joined Toastmasters. I decided to go into a meeting they had like an open house meeting and so another designer and I we went in we, we sat in at, on a meeting and it was great it was it was amazing because you had people who honestly I never thought in a million years would be doing public speaking okay from all different parts of the company and some of them when they got up there were amazing at it others weren't that great but it was an incredibly supportive environment Everybody applauded. Everybody gave honest feedback. And, you know, we it can get somewhat positive uh, in, in Toastmasters, but there's that comfort level where you're not afraid to give honest feedback. And you have certain people in Toastmasters who are assigned different roles. Each meeting it switches out different people for different roles every meeting. And one person that leads it usually, you have one person that judges grammar, you have another person that judges and t keeps track of us and ums and filler words, which I use a lot of. You have another one uh, that focuses on time, making sure that you're within the time limit of the speeches you're supposed to do. And the speeches aren't that long. I mean, you, it could be impromptu speeches that are one to two minutes long, which can seem like an eternity when you're brand new to this organization. And then there's other uh, speeches that are more planned and they can be six to eight minutes I think is is the is the general time slot that that you have and I'll never forget that the first time I joined Toastmasters I didn't do a talk I, I, I didn't do any of them I just kind of observed the first few meetings and then I finally ended up doing a impromptu speech and it was one one to two minutes and I can't, I can't even remember what it was about, to be honest. I've done so many at this point. But it was terrifying. My voice was cracking. I was nervous. I knew I was shaking. And the benefit of the Toastmasters club that I'm in at the company I'm with now is we actually record all of our meetings so that you can see and hear how yourself and, but mainly yourself, but everybody, but mostly yourself, how, how you yourself are speaking. And it's really, really helpful because when you watch it, you realize, oh, I don't sound that nervous. And, oh, my voice didn't really crack like I thought. And I, I'm not shaking. It doesn't look like I'm shaking. No, I'm not shaking. You feel all these things and you're hyper aware of all these nervous tendencies when you're up there. But when you actually look back at it, you're like, well, that's not bad. And of course, there's a lot of things too that you notice where you're like, I need to improve this. I talk way too much with my hands. I really talk way too much with my hands. Oh my God, my hands are everywhere. I need to stop talking with my hands. That's kind of how my 
reviews of my sessions go, <laughs> but, and I need to stop saying, uh, and, um, but it's, it's great. And, and that's just one organization. Like if you, if honestly, if you have Toastmasters in your, in your company and, or there's one, I know there's like clubs and organizations that you can probably join outside your company, I believe. But if you do, it, it's an old, I mean, my grandpa apparently went to Toastmasters back years ago. I didn't know this either until recently. My mom was like, oh, yeah, your grandpa was in Toastmasters. I was like, what? You're kidding. Uh, but yeah, he was. And it, I mean, it's been around forever. And it seems like a, a almost funny structure when you first start. But it's super organized and it's super helpful. It's just, it's an environment where anybody can make mistakes. And I'll be honest with you, not only have I noticed that I've improved, at least I feel way more confident jumping up in front of people now. I volunteer a lot more for doing, you know, quick talks, impromptu speeches. I need to do more planned speeches, but I, I you know, I, I'm not afraid to, to jump in front of people and make mistakes. And it's not just because I'm comfortable in front of that crowd. The crowd can kind of change, the group can kind of change every so often. And uh, you know, I don't work with these people every single day, so it's still a little nerve-wracking to, to get in front of these, these people. But it's also just seeing how everybody else has improved is immensely inspiring. I, I've seen people who they were, you could tell, I mean, you could just tell they were so, so scared to get in front of that group. And then they did it. And come to find out, they were actually pretty good at speaking in front of others, even the first time. And then they got the feedback and they actually took that feedback and they ran with it. They, they made improvements and they are becoming amazing public speakers. And it doesn't just talk, you know affect public speaking either. It makes you more confident overall in your job and in your role. And I think that's kind of the, the extra side effect of when you kind of become good and you start to master public speaking, especially as a creative, you can easily move into certain leadership type roles. Whether you have the title or not, you at least in a situation will be able to take charge and not be afraid to just be a leader and kind of keep things going. And, and, and whether it's a meeting or whether it's a project, it doesn't matter. Either way, you can find ways to apply this to your everyday professional life. Now, when it comes to your personal life, I actually, to be honest, I haven't gotten any more confident speaking in front of people in my personal life. It's just purely a professional effect that it's had on me. But I do need to improve on that, on, on the people skills personally. But when it comes to trying to, to find a, a quick way and a way to, to kind of join a club or organization or something that's going to routinely help you improve your public speaking skills, hands down, Toastmasters, you know, laugh all you want. It's an amazing, amazing organization. And I'm super happy to be in it. But there's also other things you can do to help improve your public speaking. Volunteering and just getting yourself in front of internal clients at an agency, if it's like account executives, at a, in a in-house role, if it's you know finance or if it's a development team or if it's a sales team, whatever it may be, if you know that there is gonna be an opportunity for you to maybe have a seat at the table 
and present your own work instead of having a director or your leadership present that work, put it out there and ask your boss, tell them like, hey, can I be a part of that? Or hey, can I join in? And even if they end up presenting most of the work and you're there more to answer questions, that is still a way to help you with your public speaking skills. And of course, generally we're all sitting around at a conference table or maybe we're in a, a, a WebEx online like meeting. I highly encourage you to get to face-to-face, -face, like in-person meetings, because WebExes are super easy to talk to. I, at least I've found out that they're really easy to talk to and, and present in, almost too easy. It doesn't really help the public speaking skills that much. But when you are in front of people and you're seeing their body language and you are sitting just feet away from them, you need to, you need to have that exposure and you need to have that experience. And so seek out those opportunities. I mean, if you can't join a club or organization to help you improve your public speaking, then just seek out those opportunities. It's going to be uncomfortable. I mean, it's super uncomfortable for me. And in theory, you're like, this is going to be great. And then when it actually happens or your boss says, yeah, okay, come on, then, then, then the nerves start to build up and the anxiety builds up. But you know, take those opportunities. And an example, for instance, uh, recently, when I, I touched on this a bit in the first episode too, I was at a hackathon and I was in a group and with a couple people and we had to present the idea that we had in front of this panel at the end of the hackathon. And I was there with a, a you know, like a, a territorial or regional manager and he was going to present the idea, the, the, the layout, the foundation, I should say, of the idea. And then I was going to be, go in and I was kind of voluntold to go up there in front of, in front of this crowd of you know, several, I'd say several dozen, a few dozen people, and present this idea. Okay? And it was a competition too. So it wasn't just like, oh, we're presenting this, thank you, have a great day. It was like, we're presenting this and we're competing against other people. So when I did that and when I was kind of voluntold that, I honestly didn't even hesitate. And I wasn't even nervous either. I was just like, yeah, okay, no problem. But even if I was nervous, if I ever backed down from that, it would be a huge loss on my part to be like, well, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. You know, why don't so-and-so, why don't you do that? Why don't you go up there and talk about it? You were here during this whole thing. And I'll just kind of be on the side and like help answer questions. You know, that's not helpful. You know, it, it, you have to push yourself to go out of that comfort zone. And you'll find that there's a lot of opportunities like that. I've found that there's been tons of opportunities to just kind of jump out in front of a crowd and say, yeah, okay, so here, blah, 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 you know, grab a whiteboard marker and start drawing something in front of a, a group of people at a meeting, you know, whatever it could be, like, there are opportunities to get more comfortable talking in front of others. And it really does, it really does help. It really helps a lot. The, the other thing that you can do, and th this is the other like kind of big, uh, it's, it's been a help for me, is practice fake speeches. I know this sounds crazy. It's going to sound really weird. You're probably going to judge me hardcore for doing this. But I will often kind of think of a speech, think of something I want to talk about, and I'll practice a fake speech. Now, in some cases, they're actually real practices for a Toastmaster speech that's coming up. But a lot of times I'll just kind of time myself 
not to be within a certain time frame, but I'll try to talk about something. I'll try to speak about something and I'll record myself speaking. And that's the key, recording yourself speaking. This is something you can do in the comfort of your own home. And I know it sounds really weird. It, it sounds super creepy. The good news is, especially if you live alone, nobody else is gonna know, just you. And you can delete the recording later <laughs> after you've reviewed it. But <clears throat> you, you can, honestly, everybody has a phone, everybody has a camera. Just record yourself speaking and watch how you move. Watch your body language. Try to think of a fake topic. Imagine you're in front of a large crowd of people and it could be about some random topic. I've just done speeches on random things before or it could be something that is actually could potentially come up. Like say you're working on a design and you're like, well, I'm not actually gonna be presenting this to anybody, but if I was, how would I present this? And you could even take it a step further. I actually haven't done this for a fake speech or presentation, but you could actually create your own presentation and have visual aids and visual cues to help support what you're doing. And that's probably actually a really good idea to practice with that. Again, at home, you know, cast it to your TV. If you have, you know, a Chromecast or an Apple TV or something, you know, cast your screen to your television, get your television and you in frame and record yourself on your phone. It's that simple, you know, and then watch it and then delete the evidence so that nobody going through your phone just sees random videos of you speaking to nobody because that's super creepy and super awkward. But it's, it's something that really does help and it at least gets you comfortable talking and practicing and knowing maybe embarrassing gestures or habits that you have. I know one thing I have a habit of is I will, it's almost like a stutter. You've probably heard it a lot in this podcast and I'm working on it, I promise. But I'll do this. I, I see now. Now I'm super conscious about it, so I'm not going to do it. But you'll hear me stutter. I'll usually like repeat something twice, and try to maybe talk fast. I'm just filling in time. I'm filling in words and space. That's all that is. But you'll pick up on things like that, and then you can improve on it. And if you're doing it at home, when you actually get in front of a live audience, they're not going to know that you used to do that because maybe you've beat that habit of stuttering, of saying um all the time, of excessively talking with your hands so much so that people focus more on your hands and they seem very confused and they start looking around the room thinking you're pointing at stuff when really you're just from New York and you're talking with your hands. It's, uh, yeah, that's, again, recording yourself helps because you see these things. When it's from your own perspective, you don't really pick up on it. You just know you do it, but you don't think it's that big of a deal. The final thing that we'll wrap up with here is a key part of public speaking, of speaking in front of a crowd. One of the biggest things that I don't think a lot of people mention, but you need to do is listen, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Like you're speaking in front of somebody, you're presenting, why would you listen? You know, you don't just sit there in silence and, and, you know, have five minutes of silence where you're listening to people mumble and wonder why you just stopped talking. No, I'm talking about when 
you are presenting, often it's a two-way conversation. If you're presenting a design, it's a two-way conversation. Whether you want to go through this, you know, fancy run-through and, and nice, you know, deck of PSD mock-ups and things for your designs and all these cool images of whiteboard drawings and things like that, you may want to do that and you may think I'm going to go right through it and at the end everybody's going to be like, that's great, and then the meeting's going to be over. That's not how it goes. Usually, especially when you're working in-house, I've noticed this, and actually, you know, for agencies too. When I've worked with agencies, typically when agencies are presenting to me and, the, and my team, we will also jump in and, and maybe interrupt or talk about something. And it, it happens a lot. Most people are okay with it. But you need to listen. You need to, you need to stop your speech, okay, and you need to listen. Because if you're just sitting there and you're saying, oh yeah, okay, uh-huh, and you just move on, they know you didn't hear them. And they start to tune out. And I've done this before, where I've just been like, oh yeah, that's great, okay, yeah. So anyway, so the, you know, the design of palette, color palette of this blah, 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 you know, and, and they're, you know that they're just like, oh, okay, yeah, they didn't, he didn't hear me. He, he didn't get that at all. And you start to lose them. You, they lose interest in what you're talking about because, <laughs> because they know that you're not listening to them but you need to listen. And the other key part of listening to the crowd is also kind of watching the crowd too, watch their body language, listen to them. If they start getting on their phones, if they start, you know, messing around on their laptops and they're typing, you can tell when somebody is just fake listening to what you're talking about or what you're presenting. And usually what I do in that case is if I know I'm losing the interest of the audience, then I may be like, are there any questions so far? And if there isn't, uh, then I sprinkle in that humor a little bit, you know? And I mean, it could be anything. Usually I like to like make a little bit of a dig on myself. Uh, like, well, I need some more coffee. Hold on, let me get a coffee break. Or, you know, I'm, I'm you know, whatever, you know, and, and I'll take a sip of coffee or something or a sip of tea. And, you know, I, I, it just try to like liven it up, try to loosen it up, try to break up the talk a little bit. And there's been even times where I've noticed that I'm talking and nobody, I, I listen, but nobody's, nobody's asking any questions. Nobody's really engaged. And so if you listen and you don't get any reactions to what you're talking about or what you're presenting, then maybe you should just wrap it up. And I, I've had to do that before where I've cut presentations short because it got to a certain point where it just dragged on so much. And what I learned from that was not only do you cut it short, but before you get into that presentation, I think it's good to have a good game plan of here's the long version of this presentation, and then here's a short condensed version with the most important things I want to talk about. And that honestly, even if it's just in the back of your mind, I like to kind of keep notes in, in my notebook of like, this is what I should, should or shouldn't talk about. And, and you do that for two reasons, really. You do it because if people are asking a ton of questions and you get hung up on one thing, it could suck up all the time that you have just on that one thing or those few things. And then you don't get through your whole presentation. So now what do you do, right? What areas do you focus on? You didn't think this through of like, what should I definitely make sure they hear? But if you have that short version ready to go, then you can blaze through the rest and just focus on what's the most important thing. Uh, or if you're losing the, their interest, you can kind of shorten it and everybody thinks, you know, somebody who gives them back 15, 20 minutes of their time and cuts a meeting short is kind of like a hero. But, 
But it, this isn't something you should do all the time, though. You know, obviously you shouldn't cut all of your presentations short. But you can just be very aware and, and listen and observe your audience. And that's something that I think a lot of speakers don't do. A lot of public speakers just, they just drone on. And it's just, it sounds like a recorded robot. And I've been there. I've been that robot many times. But you just kind of listen to them, you know, and try to sprinkle in a little bit of humor. I, I swear that humor, like if you can get if you can get somebody to just laugh a little bit, even if it's not even funny, but the crowd laughs, it, that's that just makes things a lot easier. You know, it makes people feel more comfortable and it makes people have more fun. You know, it's it may be a corporate environment and it may be a client meeting or something, but these are people. These are humans. You know, I, I don't care if it's a, it's a crowd full of executives. I've cracked a joke in front of a, a C-suite team before. You know, it, just showing that humility, showing that humor, having empathy for your audience, it's key. And that's kind of the final like way to master public speaking. Because once you understand that it doesn't have to be so formal, it doesn't have to be so, you know, just bland and, and, and organized and... and and formatted in such a structured way and you realize you can actually just have a conversation in some cases when you're presenting or doing public speaking it, it makes it way easier to get through it <laughs> and that's that's all the the advice I have for today I, I you know I may end up doing a follow-up to this uh, down the road kind of more tips and tricks uh, probably end up being a quick blog blog post or something that I'll, I'll write up of tips and tricks and things that I've I've learned about public speaking especially as a designer because it, it is a little bit different for us designers we're kind of salesmen and saleswomen you know when we're we're selling our ideas and we're talking in front of others we're doing public speaking is generally around our own work and what we do so it's nerve-wracking but just know everybody gets nervous and the biggest thing to remember is <clears throat> you may think you're super nervous standing in front of those people and you're shaking and your voice is quivering or like mine right now <coughs> i need a drink because apparently my voice is going away oh yeah oh yeah pumpkin spice latte that that'll clear up the vocal cords but anyway you may think that you're really nervous but in reality you're not you don't look as nervous as you think you are it really and truly you don't and the best way to prove that is record yourself just record yourself. Take your phone out and record yourself doing public speaking. And join one of those organizations that, you know, helps you out with public speaking if you need to. I, I don't have all the answers to it either, as always. I feel like I end every podcast saying this, but yeah, I don't have all the answers. That may come as a surprise to some of you. But uh, it, So if you have any uh, advice, any kind of... Uh, tips and tricks on public speaking as a designer, as a creative, send me an email. I actually have an email now where I you can email me directly. Uh, the email address is chat at joshuareach.com. So it's chat, C-H-A-T, at joshuareach.com. And yeah, just go ahead and, and send, me, send me an email and, and let me know your tips and tricks. And maybe I'll talk about it later on in another podcast. Uh, or I might ask you if I can include it in a future blog post or something. Because uh, I'm sure I'll come back to this topic later on with a follow-up on some new things that I've learned about how to make public speaking way less scary for creatives. So until next time, 
I'm Joshua Reach, and this was Design Chat with Josh. And I will see, talk, talk see? No, I won't see any of you, but I'll talk to you all later. <laughs> Until next time.